and welcome to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Joe Ritty and I'm going to take you into the kitchens of some of our most fabulous restaurants so you can get the backstory to the food the chefs are putting up. Today's chat is with Sandy Malgulvis at Common Ground Project, a not-for-profit cafe just out of Geelong. Sandy and I sat outside surrounded by chooks, raised garden beds and children running round in the sun. I'd been wanting to talk to Sandy for a while because her name kept coming up in very favourable terms when I spoke to other chefs. But note to self, do not listen to Russell Brand in conversation with Lena Dunham while driving to talk to a chef. My brain was scrambled from their intellectual repartee and the struggle was so real to get any kind of coherent statement out, which you'll hear as I go on. Luckily for me though, Sandy thoughtfully articulated everything I wanted to know and gave me even more to think about on the drive home. So hi, Sandy. <laughs> um, thanks for your time today, because I know that I've just pulled you away from making caramel. What's <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um, and so we're sitting surrounded by the vegetables, I guess, the gardens and the um, the raised beds and so on. Yep. And this common ground, I came out a few weeks ago when it opened um, to write about it for Broadsheet. And um, how's the uptake been in terms of? chefs coming out here and working on the land and doing so, all that? Um, we've only really had um, chefs within the group coming down and doing stuff down here. Uh, we haven't launched um, to the other other cafes and restaurants yet. That's going to happen okay. pro- probably about two weeks. Oh. We're going to be launching that. Um, so we've ju- we just started promoting it. Yeah. Um, and then they'll be available yeah, after two weeks away. Yeah. Such a, an amazing idea because I think... Um, as it says on your menu and as it says up on the blackboard, that connection between the hospitality industry and the Victorian food bowl. Like, it, yeah. I feel like being really explicit about that and saying that that needs to happen is really important. Yeah, it, it really is, yeah. That's something that, that was, like, you know, the whole idea behind the concept, so, yeah. Yeah, and just even for, I mean, having spoken to people like Annie Smithers and um, who grows most of what she serves in Dufermier yeah. um, and then um, Alejandro at Pastuso who takes his chefs out to Gippsland to see the vegetables growing. I think there's, um, as, I think that's what it says on your menu about how important it is to witness the, um, where the vegetables come from, the provenance and so on, just in terms of respect for yeah. what you're using. Yeah, completely. So we've, um, we are doing regenerative agriculture, so it goes a bit bit further than just sort of growing it's all about the land and the soil and and things like that which has been a really great journey for um all of us especially sam simon and myself Mm. simon's the um farmer and then sam's the general manager so we started a couple months before everyone else to get all this kind of going and as you can see that this one here was just just had goats in it this that's the market garden one of the market garden areas and um that was just compacted it was dry it was full of um onion weed and um, it just it terrible. You couldn't you couldn't grow anything in it no way. And so we've treated it. We've been using biodynamics as well. So be, we put the 500 in there, um, and now there's actual things growing. We didn't think we were going to get a spring crop, but um, I think we're just going to we just trialed it to just do a small one. Yeah. We put some cover crops in, and it's going really really well. Yeah. Wow. And then we've got um, the greenhouse that's being built just over there. Yeah. So that's. It's, it's actually very big. So we're going to be able to produce a lot out of there. And then we've got another two, well, 
two acre plots, so one acre each. And they're going to be just as big as this one. So we're just obviously working in very small portions to begin with. Yeah. And then it'll it'll move out, yeah. Yeah, amazing. So we'll have a lot. Yeah. So what's in the cover crop for spring? What what are those things that are doing so well? Oh, all different sorts of peas and things oh, like that, yeah. Um, and it's just basically to give back to the soil. Oh, so okay. he yep. then trims it back and puts it back through the soil. So we've done that once. Oh, and then we've, we're just waiting on the back bit to grow again. And then this front part, we've just put some stuff in just to see how it would sort of go. And it's going really well. So yeah. And what's your experience of vegetable growing before now in terms of that to that extent? Oh, well, at Top Paddock, we... We did it, mm. but not to this extent and not this much. We just kind of – it was a bit of trial and error just to see how we could – how we'd go doing it and how logistics would work if you were to deliver and, and things like that. So – because it was obviously in Red Hill, yeah. the first farm, and then we'd deliver it to Top Paddock and High Ground and stuff like that. Um, and we got to play around with a lot there, and that was that was heaps of fun. But in terms of before that, like just home gardens, like things like that, nothing – too much whereas this is like big scale yeah so it's been it's been very interesting (laughs) we've learned a lot definitely yeah has it changed oh you already had experience obviously with it I think I was thinking when I was reading that blackboard in there about how um so many chefs have got such good relationships with their supplier and producers and so on and and you had a bit more of that with having the access to the farm in Red Hill and so on but just has it changed the way you have cooked, having been Yeah, up? yeah. I, we've, um, I mean, at Top Paddock we started like a zero waste um, dish there, just trying to um, get chefs to, like it's easy, usually like when people are doing uh, dinner menus and things like that, there's a lot of ways to utilise, you know, the, the excess sort of stuff. And in breakfast it, it kind of gets lost and no one really does it too much. And especially somewhere like Top Paddock where it was just, mass production yeah we had so much like going into compost and we were composting there and stuff and when I sort of came on board I was like this is just there's there's way too much going into compost we can utilize so much of this Mm. and so like to the point where it could have been a a complete dish so we we put the zero waste on to utilize that and we we halved our composting down um and it became like a thing even with the stuff that was coming from the farm you know Simo would have um some of the brassica stuff that he was pulling out that was really woody and and not good to eat and people wouldn't usually use it I was using it and like doing stuff with it and turning it into paste and we were um you know just playing around with all that sort of stuff and so it went to the next level where he's sometimes struggling with composting stuff because we're trying <laughs> to use absolutely everything that he's even grown so and just respecting it like that as well so like when all my staff now looking at it, they're like, what can we do with, with these stems? What can we do with, you know? So it's it's gone a bit further now and we're really trying to make sure that we're respecting what we're, we're using here as well. Yeah, that's amazing. So how do you find out about that? Like how do you how do you work out what you can do with things that you that ordinarily would have been thrown away? Is that... It's trial and error. Yeah. Yeah, like we, we, ta- we have a taste of it raw or we just do something with it and and we see like what the flavor's like and then we just kind of go from there and and build on that and it's um the team at the moment is fantastic like they're all about it so we're just we've had a lot of fun since since opening um we've just we've saved all the barista's milk and we turned it into dulce de leche and that's on our hot cake now um so we're just trying to not waste 
anything. You know, yeah. the, we use we turn it into ricotta as well, and then wow. we turn the whey into a reduction that's on our fish dish. All of our excess um, vegetables scraps that we just cannot use like at all. It's like last resort. Um, that then goes into a treacle that we we reduce down, and that's on our beef dish as the sauce. Um, we just yeah we just coming up with all different stuff all the time and I'm encouraging all the staff to just play around with stuff and you know we've we've even been preserving some of the scobies out of our kombucha and stuff to see what we can do like the boys are making some um like sweet jubes out of it at the minute oh wow yeah so it's pretty pretty tasty it's a bit of fun yeah so yeah it's all just trial and error it must be quite yeah. satisfying as well like yeah you know. <laughs> it is yeah it's really good to um when you especially like here where you see the whole composting system and and how it works and how much is actually going into the piles and you know we've got the food bins outside and we can see like on a daily basis how much is going into it and we try and work on that to have less and things like that it's it's really satisfying to see like the the effect that you can have by reducing it and then also by putting it back into the land so it's yeah it's really nice and I see that um, you have a gratitude board up there as well. So I was thinking you've really got um, – you've got all everything covered. <laughs> yeah. You've got. yeah. So that's just like um, – yeah, we all just – we meditate in the morning. We, I mean, we don't do it every single morning. We just encourage everyone to make sure that they take time out of their day to do that. And um, it's definitely happening a couple of times a week, which is great. Um and any chef will understand that it's just so fast paced you come in and you've got your mind set on all these things and it just takes like some one person to just go guys we've got to meditate this morning like you know it's this is what it's all about so we just we take that time and we sit in the meditation room all together and we do a meditation and then everyone is encouraged they don't have to but it usually starts with one person just walking up to the gratitude board and writing like one thing and it's, it doesn't have to be a whole sentence. It doesn't have to be. It can just mean something to you and not, not to anyone else. Mm. And, um, yeah, and we find that one person will write on there and then someone else will go, oh, yeah, and, like, they go right. And it's just about starting your day with a positive thought rather than I've got a whole heap of stuff to do, like, you know. And it's really nice because you find people just writing stuff about other staff members and, and things like that. So it's been a really positive yeah. thing we've implemented. And it feels like you've got that sort of, there's, then there's a collective energy that you've come together and, um, and and been really intentional with the way that you start the day. I think that must create a different vibe throughout the day as well. Yeah, it does. Like, we find that the mornings where meditation doesn't happen or, you know, we've, we, we know we've got a lot on and we've just, it's just the backbone thing and we've just forgotten about it. Um, you, d- you don't get the same result yeah. at the end of the day. And it's helped, like all of our staff with stressful situations um you know if if someone's having a really like bad day we'll just say just go take five minutes and just go meditate instead of it being like go have a cigarette or whatever we've just you know we've got the app that's accessible for all of our staff and they just go out and do a quick meditation like we do one all the time that's called 10 deep breaths and yeah they just go out and do that and usually it um (laughs) It helps, which yeah. is really good. I have heard that we do need to all de- do more deep breathing in yeah. our day. <laughs> Definitely. I agree with that one. Um, and, and in terms of you and your career, um, you've been with the Mulberry Group for quite a long time now. Oh, a little while. I've been two years, two and oh, oh, yeah. Is that all? Yeah, that's I feel like you've been <laughs> maybe... No, I've, I mean, I've known the guys for years. I've okay. worked with Nathan's sister for like three years, um, 
and I've known Ben since I was about six years old. So, oh, okay. yeah, I was so, like a family. <laughs> yeah, and so it's it's you know I've I've known them and I've had lots of friends that have worked for them and things like that. So, um, and then it, I guess two years ago was the time when I was ready to kind of take on that role and yeah. work with them and yeah. So how long have you been a chef? Uh, Seventeen years. Wow. Okay. There was a, I took a couple of years off. Um, when I, I felt like it was just like I, I felt the industry was quite toxic and I didn't really want to be a part of it. Um, you know, I was working at a venue in Crown and we were working underground and it mm. was just like it was it was really dark. Like and you know I didn't see daylight. It was like six a.m. to one a.m. Yeah. long hours and wow. And then I, d- I took a job working outdoors and that was that was really nice. Um, and then got back into the industry because I just I felt like it's what I loved doing Mm. so and then once I got back into it it was I was like it's what I want to do like the passion was reignited so and when you got into it initially was did you had you always felt drawn to being a chef no not at all I um I was actually studying massage and um I was cooking like just to earn money on the side and um the chef was like, "You should, you should become a chef." And I, I didn't really think much of it. And I went um, to have dinner somewhere, and they had a sign up looking for apprentices on the door. And I was like, "Let's give it a go." So I just called them up, and I went in and got the job. And then that was it. Like I loved, I loved the fast, how it was fast paced. There's a lot to do all the time, like juggling like a thousand things. That's I've always kind of thrived when I'm in like chaotic situations and mm. stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, and I guess that's also what drew you back into it again. And now, I mean, 17 years on, yeah. the industry's changed and now there are positions like this, I guess, where we can explore a bit more of yeah. breadth of cooking, like in, like in terms of zero waste or that kind of thing, but also that um, more holistic side of... Yeah, yeah, and it's I, I guess I ha- like I didn't really know... Like, it takes a long time to figure out what kind of chef you want to actually be or, you know, and then at this kind of all happened quite organically because you know you work for people that it's all about the the money and 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 the end result which it it still always is to an extent but it's not just about that now especially for these guys and for us it's like you know this this place is a non-for-profit so um everything that we're doing is actually going back into the project and into mental health in the hospitality industry and things like that so it's amazing. Yeah, it is for it amazing. to be heading heading in that direction. Yeah, and I think you know I think too we talk a lot about um, you know climate change and how can just how can I make a difference and it's about individual effort and I think that I think we're beginning to see um, different venues starting to say we need to make a change in terms of hospitality and and the, um, and the way that you know yeah sustainability of staff and all of that kind of thing and, and creating a much better environment for staff and then ultimately well not ultimately actually it's not ultimately but for the um for the diners as well it's not ultimately it's at the same time because i do think if you've got i mean hospitality is about i suppose being hospitable but if you've got happy staff as well yeah. that's really important yeah it's very important and it's it's been very evident with this group i mean in any group or any venue you work there's going to be people that are unhappy mm. but what I've noticed especially working for the Mulberry group is that everyone still wants to help out that's worked for them seven years ago that's and and a lot of their staff have stayed with them for an extremely long time and it just 
you know, just goes to show with if you if you treat your staff right mm. and you care um, genuinely, like people will stick around. Yeah. And you know, for them to pull up and say, "Hey, let's let's do something for everyone in the industry," and like mean it, because you know, I don't. I don't have to vouch for, for what they're saying because just because I work for them, but I'm genuinely saying, like, they do. They, they're doing this to, you know, give back to the industry, and it's great. Yeah. You know, and it's, work, it's working for our staff, and it's, there's a constant, like, what can we do to help and what, you know, how's it going to make it easier or better, and it's, there's always that support there from them, which is great. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I think, you know, the more that you... Um, I think light always creates more light and, you know... And I think you know it's important that there are people who I just I think when you're surrounded by it and you're um, and you're that's what you're creating then you're more likely to naturally go that way and have those thoughts and so on as well in terms of wanting to create a better environment and work together and meditate and then they'll see all the benefit of that I think it's yeah, it's really interesting. Because I, I went and had a chat to the um, executive chef at Prince Dining Room, Dan Hawkins, and he was yep. saying um, that they do, but like, they do yoga together, and they have yep. um, access to the St Kilda salt baths. And yep. I was just thinking, I really love that idea that yeah. people are looking out for each other. Yeah, it's great. It's it like for me, I've never really been a massive drinker. I, you know, never been too much into what the typical stereotype chef is, and so. F- like naturally for me to be around this sort of stuff it's it's much more what I'm I'm into mm. and it's attracting those kinds of chefs and and staff members and stuff it's it's really made such a nice positive kind of atmosphere it's like people come in and they're fresh and they're ready to go and it's like like you know that people that um you know there's any sort of substance abuse or that you, even even just recreational you you can tell because like people, there's people doing twice as much as them, and they mightn't be as good uh, in terms of what they're creating or whatever. But they can do twice as much work and work twice as hard because they're, you know, not necessarily on anything or yeah, you know, it's healthy, aren't they? Yeah, and looking after themselves and yeah. Yeah, I read this book a long time ago, and I often quote this, but um, and it's called like Water for Chocolate, and it's about this it's a Spanish translation or English translation of a Spanish book and this woman every time she cooks her emotions go into the food and mm. so and I always have this idea that that's um that that's actually a thing <laughs> so I yeah. feel like if whatever you're experiencing is going into the food and then it's just better for everybody <laughs> yeah definitely it's all all yeah all part of it I think yeah and um I know Kate actually mentioned, Kate Pratt mentioned you when we were chatting and she mentioned you as someone that she looked up to in terms of your ideas for food and mentoring and so on. And um, do you have anyone who along the way has, has shaped the way that you've yeah. set out on things? But I guess it's not really anyone um, with a profile. I've, I've worked with so many chefs, um, especially one that I've worked with who's one of my best friends over the years, who he is just like... Anytime something will come up, it's always like, what can we make out of it? Um, ha- like, why would we buy something in when we can make it from scratch? And so I, like, he was my head chef as an apprentice. And so it's always been this, like, why buy it in when you can put love into it and make it, like, better than the product that you're buying in? And so it's always kind of been people like that that have, that have just been creative in, in just wanting to, you know, make it all themselves and stuff like that. So, I, I mean... Yeah, it's it's always been the hands-on kind of mentoring that I've had 
that I've learnt so much from and, and then, you know, working with some really good chefs as well along the way has, has sort of helped but it's more just taking bits and pieces from so many different people and also even leaders that aren't necessarily amazing chefs. It's just, it comes down to all of that as well. Mm. And so when it came time for you to step into that leadership role of head chef, um, did that feel like a natural progression for you in terms of... Nah, I th- like I, I, I think it's like anyone, it's like you come to that time and it's like, oh, I think I'm ready, but, you know, you, you never know until you're actually in the role. And then once I was in the role, like it, it's always overwhelming for anyone when they first do it. And you just have, like, you think you sort of know everything and then you just have so much to learn. And then as the years go on, you're like, oh, my God, like, I, you know, but you've got to start somewhere. So yeah. um, I don't think it's ever, like, you're ever, like, really, really ready and 100% confident there's always going to be some sort of doubt. Yeah. But, but you strike me as someone who's a, a team leader rather than a leading from the top and, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I've... Uh, especially with these guys, um, there's been a lot of, of training and there's, it's almost been like instead of um, forcing a certain type of leadership on you or sometimes like you can be in roles where you have a certain standard but then maybe the owner or the managers or something don't have the similar standard and so you're kind of pushing for something and then there's things lacking on the other side and you get frustrated and then you can't quite be the leader you want to be because you you might be a bit too stressed or whatever whereas like you know here we've got like an amazing general manager Sam and then it's he makes my job so easy and so because we have very similar standards and same with the guys from the Mowoo group like when you've got the similar standards and you want the same end result it makes it a lot easier to be a good leader it means that I can do my job properly without you know having to be you know frustrated because I want to see some sort of result and I'm not getting it yeah yeah and in terms of um we talked a little bit about this before but ideas for food are you a cookbook person are you an um Instagram cookbook searcher (laughs) yeah I read a lot of cookbooks but also at the same time like when you like have just the basic culinary skills Mm. that like you know and the methods of cookery that you learn from school and things like that, you tend to just, like, lean back on that, like, the classical methods and then build on it or, you know, you just try and play around and swap things out. And usually, like, I might use something as, like, a base recipe if I haven't done something before, but I never end up with that same... Like, it's never that recipe. It's always, like, so far from it, but that's just the base I start at. And I might look at something and be like, oh, I reckon it'd be better with a bit of this or something, mm. um, which is why you, your team need to be able to, you know, play around with those things with you. It's always good to bounce those ideas. So normally, like with these guys as well, we start with something and um, and we just build on, on that. So it's usually cookbooks or, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Just, I'm just always, that's, I think that's the thing that fascinates me the most about chefs is their... Um, the repertoire of flavours and flavour profiles that you must hold within you like some kind of yeah. amazing library that you can sort of draw on and know that this will go with this yeah. or the structure of even the structure of different products and how they might work when you do certain things to them and yeah and that's why you know there are some chefs that, out there that like do these crazy whack things and it's and you just think their palates must be insanely good like 
because some people wouldn't even think to venture down that path, but they their end result is amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. And what, what advice would you give to a young person or a person who wanted to enter the industry now? Um, I, th- I think it's getting better, and I think that um, it's now an industry that people should be excited about and wanting to get into. We've been talking to the Gordon TAFE um, down here about working with them to um, hopefully encourage more apprentices and things like that into the industry because, I mean, when I was an apprentice, there were so many and now there's not. So I just, people just need to start, like, you know, treating staff a bit better. You know, the industry is, yeah, it's getting better. It's just not quite there I don't think mm. for all venues mm. it's just pick a goal and go for it yeah depends what kind of chef you want to be and yeah nice thank you right. you've been listening to conversation with a chef I'm Joe Ritty and thank you so much for joining me today If you'd like to read the full transcript of the conversation, you can go to www.conversationwithachef.com or follow me on Instagram so you'll always be up to date with the latest conversation.